Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, and welcome again to another edition of Find Your Seat Podcast, where the podcast that helps other women find their rightful seat at the table through discussions of health, wellness, business, and beauty. I am your co-host, Jennifer Etter. And I am your co-host, Susan Mobley. And we are excited today because we have a special guest that we got to split screen in because she's coming to us from Oklahoma. So please welcome Shauna Kale to find her seat. Hi, Shauna. Hello. So happy to be here. So um, we just got introduced to Shauna just very recently, but I'm going to have to tell you, I've been kind of scoping you out and reading your bio and kind of looking into everything that you have been up to. And I'm really, really impressed. And I'm, I think, you know, she's such an amazing fit to mm-hmm. our show because she's going to have a chance to tell her story of maybe discovering herself, right. having some drawbacks or setbacks, and then overcoming those and being able to help other women. So I'm going to let you go ahead and Take it from here, Shauna. <laughs> tell us, tell us more about yourself and what you're up to right this second. Well, I am a mom of three. I have um, my oldest son is 24. I have a 20 year old daughter and a 14 year old son. So there's a 10 year span between the oldest and the youngest, which is fun and cool at the same time. But um, you know, as they were growing up, it, it's kind of a big span between them. Um. I have a wonderful husband of, gosh, like 28 years now. We met in college, and I have been a physical therapist since 1993, so forever. And um, my husband's also a physical therapist, so I have been in the um, medical field for a long time. I kind of say that I went from the medical field to the health and wellness. Um, I always would have said I was in the healthcare field until I – went on my own personal health journey. And then I was like, that's the medical field. This is the health and wellness. And just really looking at um, people from the spiritual, emotional, and physical as a physical therapist, like not only did I look at everything from the physical side, but that's just how um, I felt. I felt everything kind of from the physical side. 
and um, didn't really want to get in touch with my own emotions. <laughs> and then just learning on my own journey, um, more about emotions, how that affects us physically, learning more about limiting and empowering beliefs, how that affects our emotions and helps um, and also affects us physically. So I really went on a um, health journey in the past 10, 11 years since 2010 after I had my third miscarriage in a 10 year period. Um, one of the reasons why my oldest and my youngest are 10 years apart is because after every child I had um, a miscarriage about two and a half to three years later. And the last time I almost died, and that was kind of when I had my wake up call that something needed to change and I realized that needed to be me. And so really um, my passion and my goal for the last you know 10 and a half years has been helping other women see how their past or present and even what it is they want for their future is affecting their now. And I know a lot of women that have um, a lot of stress and they might not even realize it. I was one of those women. I uh, worked with patients every day. I could see that they were stressed. I could see how that stress was affecting them physically, but I didn't even see it in myself. Um, even going through some bouts of anxiety. Uh, I would just say, Oh, I feel like I have an elephant on my chest. You know, I, I can tell you how it felt physically, but I didn't really have a word for it. And so my desire is just really to help women see that and um, give them some helpful tips, tools and techniques to move out of the stress and have more energy to do the things they love to do. I love that you're talking about these things too, and that we're bringing it to our audience on find her seat because I think it's something that's so relatable to so many women, especially with, you know, the miscarriages and the stress I can say, I, I'll also say I am the youngest of four and there's a seven year gap between me and the next sibling and a 14 year gap between the oldest. So I know all about being the, uh, the gap child. Yeah. <laughs> and also just like you, I've suffered through uh, a few miscarriages after pregnancies. And I think that too often that we don't know how to talk about that. We don't know how to put it out there that it's okay. And it's not something that you're going through alone. And that definitely not only can stress be a factor prior, but it can be a stress during the matter of fact. And then when you're trying to, you know, hopefully get pregnant again and that type of thing. So what is, what are some of the tips that you like to give women about, how to deal with their stress and what they can do to, you know, we live in a world of stress, right? How do you handle this? Yeah. And that's what I try to explain to people is that there's always going to be stressors in the world because I know for me, I thought if everything was perfect, you know, then I'm not going to be stressed out. If, if they would just do what they were supposed to do, then I would be good. Right. And what I've realized is that those stressors or what I like to call storms are always going to be there. Um, we cannot control as much as we might want to try. We can't control everybody else. Even, you know, this last year um, with COVID and stuff and even it coming into 2021, everybody's just waiting for, you know, like it to go away and they won't be stressed out anymore. But there'll always be something, even whether or not it even goes away. Right. But there's always going to be something. And I look at it as kind of like a tree. They say that trees, um, when storms come, they're going to do one of two things. Either they're going to fall down or they're going to get stronger. And what makes those trees different is the ones that have the deep roots 
they're the ones that keep standing and those that the roots are more at the surface that they're going to be blown over. And so what I really teach people is what's called the exceptional formula. It's something that the Lord gave me in 2011 and it really helps um, know what things help build those deep, strong roots that when we're taking care of ourselves um, really helps. And, and that's kind of where I was at in 2010 when I had that last miscarriage. I was in an ambulance, right? The ambulance came. I had been in the medical field at that time for almost 20 years. Like I had heard of women having miscarriages and dying at home. And I thought they must be stupid. I mean, how can someone bleed to death, right? Yet. I was about to become that woman. I, you know, was thinking about everybody else. I wanted everybody else to be okay. Like I didn't want to be taken care of. Like, you know, this is my third time. Like this isn't new for me. Like I've been here, done that. And um, even though I was with it in my brain, I was still talking and stuff. We can't always make decisions for ourselves when we're in a um, situation. And I was in shock. Right. Uh, not even realizing it because I was in such a stressed state. And so while I was laying in the ambulance, um, I was praying for my kids that were inside. And two of them had already gone through two miscarriages with me, right? My oldest um, one. And um, I'm just laying there praying like, I don't want them to be worried about mom. I don't want them to be worried about mom. And the paramedic is putting on the little electrodes on my chest which I knew exactly what they were. Like I said, I was with it and, and I'm like, kind of going like, is everything okay? And he said, well, we can't get your blood pressure, which my husband couldn't get in the house, which is why I called the ambulance. We can't, you know, get an IV started because they couldn't, I was so dehydrated, couldn't get a line. And um, we're just wanting to make sure that you're okay. So, you know, this is for you. And I just remember saying, should I start praying for myself? <laughs> that would be a good idea. And it was kind of like at that moment that I realized the whole thing on the airplane when they say put the mask on first mm -hmm. before you have anybody else. I was so concerned about everybody else and, and everybody else doing what I thought they needed to be doing that I wasn't necessarily doing those things for myself. Mm -hmm. And so um, it really took me down a road of figuring out what those things are. So when you said, you know, what are my some of my tips and tools, like doing the things that probably we already know, <laughs> like it's not, you know, I don't have like this big secret, but exercise is one of the best things we can do for stress. And mm -hmm. one of the easiest that a lot of people say, oh, I don't have, you know, time to go to the gym and stuff like as a physical therapist. Helping people walk was like my job. Like mm -hmm. you lose the ability to walk. That's when your freedoms are taken away. Yet right. that's like the best exercise that we can do for ourselves no matter what. And it helps bring down stress levels so much. And it helps increase energy so much that it just starts this wonderful, beautiful cycle. Um, you know, when it comes to sleep, like we know that sleep is good for us, but I don't think we realize how much when we're not getting the sleep that we need that it is stressing out our body. It's like trying to use a phone, right? That the battery's dead and you're like, I've got, you know, 2% left. Well, when we're not getting to sleep, we are like trying to do the whole day on a 2% battery. Right. Mm -hmm. And then um, hydration, like when we are dehydrated, our body again is stressed. And then we are, you know, that's a physical stress, but it, it affects us emotionally. And a lot of times we don't realize that. For me, I personally realized how much food stressed out my body, specifically sugar. 
So in my book, I actually have a story called the white flour tortilla. It was kind of like my light bulb moment of realizing that um, kind of my emotional outburst and just the way I felt was really related to my diet and, and, and learning how to work through that. Um, so that gets to nutrition. Like I, I don't think people, they think that how they feel right at the moment that they're eating something is how that food is affecting them and not necessarily for me, I realize it's like, you know, 12 to 24 hours later, how I'm feeling is related to what I ate yesterday. And, but we don't want to put that together, right? Like I felt really good while I was eating it. So it's good for me. And instead of looking at some of the after effects and not just tomorrow's after effects, but how that's affecting us next year and the next. And um, so that's really what I try and help women see is the things that we're doing today is affecting tomorrow and the next day, but even things that we may have done or may have happened to us as children are affecting our todays. And a lot of times I know I didn't get that. I didn't realize I had a lot of background stress from my childhood that I was still like, it was just kind of running in the background. And so anything that stressed me out right now, like currently, like I was already up to here, so it didn't take much. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd tell my kids, like, I'm already dead. Like, you know, <laughs> and I'd flip my lid because I was so full of stress already. And when I started putting these into effect and really, I say, I fill my cup in the morning so I can serve the rest of the day. When I started doing those things, my stress levels went down. Nothing changed in my circumstances. Like the life around me didn't necessarily change. It was from within um, making those changes. And it allowed my roots to grow deeper. So when those storms come, I can handle more. I have more energy to be able to do the things that I love to do. And, and so my desire is just to help other women do the same. I love that you talk about the tree. Because with my clients, that's, that is the exact same analogy that I use with them. And also my students, um, is the more that you go through, it just gives you deeper and deeper roots that you can draw from. But one of the things I think that many women and men don't realize is that our past traumas don't go away. Right. And that, you know, your analogy and, your, and when you were in the ambulance had me really thinking about that that's kind of how we deal with life when we have trauma is we're not thinking clearly, we're not thinking about ourselves. I can relate my, I've had some um, miscarriages and my last miscarriage was similar. I literally did the same thing. I didn't wanna wake my husband up. I gathered my babies into a Tupperware cup and drove myself to the doctor and then was going to drive myself to the hospital because I was had the same issue. But when I think back about that, it's like, where was I, what was I doing? I was in trauma, but I was in, just like you had had a few miscarriages, I was in a lot of trauma at that time. And I think that one of the things that you're doing that's amazing is you're helping women to realize that your past trauma is going to color how you deal with today. Right. And it doesn't matter. Your world could be amazing. But if you're carrying trauma and you're functioning through trauma, that you're not, you're not functioning correctly. You're not thinking right. And I absolutely love that you are doing this work for women because I really don't think mm -hmm. women think enough about that. And we think that we can just move on or, you know, put it under the rug and it'll be okay. Tomorrow's another day because mm -hmm. we do have a lot to carry. We have to take care of our children, our husbands, our homes, businesses. And if you're taking care of other people, for sure. 
Let's talk more about your book. Yes. Because you mentioned your book. Know, Tell us the name like... of your book. And yes. <laughs> so it is Bye Bye Normal, Hello Exceptional, Living a Life of Less Stress and More Energy. And, you know, when you just was saying that, the, the normal part came about because um, after my first miscarriage, my doctor just told me it was normal. And um, so to me, that meant if this is just normal, I'm just supposed to get over it, right? Like this is just a norm. This is another normal day, so I'm supposed to, even though that's not how I felt inside. And um, so there was the whole, you know, healing from that at the time. And then after the second one, I was like, well, obviously I haven't learned what I was supposed to learn after the first one. So like, we're going to just pretend like nothing is wrong, right? So mm -hmm. I just held everything in, stuffed it a little bit deeper. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break so that you can hear a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Mm -hmm. And then the third one, I had, because it was so traumatic, um, like you, I my husband brought me a yogurt container, so that's how my baby went to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's like, I'm sure for you, the Tupperware, like anytime you see it, it's like, this reminder of, you know, what you went through. And so I was in this, I, I say we, most people have heard of bite, flight, and mm -hmm. freeze when it comes to stress. And I had been in the fight stage probably my whole life. I love to argue with you. I'm going to, you know, fight, fight, fight. And I didn't realize, like, I knew the whole fight, flight, freeze for stress. But I didn't realize that that was how I dealt with stress was I'm just going to fight with you. Like, you know, I kept waiting to win. And the truth of the matter is when we argue and fight with our loved ones and stuff, nobody's winning, right? Um, and then right before I had that third miscarriage, I was really in the flight stage um, to the point that I had everything that I wanted in my life. Like there wasn't like you, I couldn't say that I didn't like my job. I, I was homeschooling my kids. I loved my children. Like I had everything, but I wanted to run away. And I did not know who do you tell that to? Like, right. honey, I love you, but I really just like I'm dreaming of how I can get out of this. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I say it was like three out of four weeks a month. I'm sure it was related to my cycle because I was kind of on the hormonal, emotional roller coaster. But there would be this one week that I'm like, this is my life. Like, this is what I've always wanted. And and I'd be good. And then the next week would come and it would just be like, how can I run away? And now realizing that there was so much guilt at the time, realizing it was because of the stress state that I was in, that it was just, like I said, building up from my childhood onto, you know, miscarriage and then the second miscarriage and just life, all the stressors and not dealing with them, just stuffing them down. So when I had that third miscarriage, I was then in the free state. I was like, I, I wasn't going to fight with you. I couldn't run away. Like I didn't have enough energy to run away. I was just there. And ironically, like how I remember it, um, I'm a doer. Like I want to go, go, go. I just remember sitting in the recliner my kids coming to me for me to homeschool them and feeling like I had, I wasn't worthy. I had nothing I could do. Like I wasn't, I, there was no value. Right. They remember mom sitting there <laughs> being there, you know, for them reading to them, like their thought process in mine was in two different things because it finally got me to a place that I had to look at my life. I had to look at who I was. I had to um, start dealing with some of those, you know, 
choices that I had been making of trying mm -hmm. to stuff it down. And it really took me on, like I said, this journey of finally in 2011, I woke up one morning and I was already on my journey, but I had really been praying, Lord, I'm tired of normal. Like normal is overrated. I mean, when my doctor said after the third miscarriage, after I'm almost, you know, I almost died, he said, we're lucky to have you. I'm laying in the bed. They're giving me blood. And he's saying, you know, just patting me. This is normal. And I'm like, this is not normal. No. This isn't normal, right? This, this is awful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this, I almost died, and I and I could have just laid there because I thought that's what us as women are supposed to do, right? Like we're supposed to just pretend like everything's okay because it's normal. Mm -hmm. And it took about six months before I got back to what I'm going to say is normal, which sucked before. It sucked again, like you know, like <laughs> I I. I now have some energy to go to work, but like, where is my life? Where is this going? And I wish I could say like why the word exceptional popped into my head. All I know is I was working with a patient who was, I was 39 at the time. He was 10 years younger than me. He was 29 years old. He was on almost as many medications as age. It was over 20 medications. He had diagnosis after diagnosis after diagnosis. He was obese. He had high blood pressure. He was diabetic. Um, I had no diagnosis, y'all. Like, I felt awful that day. I was like, if I could just go home and go to bed, that would be great. If I had to fill out a health intake form, I probably would have put my health was either poor or fair, but I would not have been able to put that it was good. Mm -hmm. And he marks that his health was good. And I was just like, how can his health be good? Like we, I mean, I was like, I have to have a conversation with him. Like if he thinks this good, this is good. Like what is bad and what is fair? Like, right. you know? and it was kind of like that eye opening moment that he was like, well, my doctor said that, you know, I had a good bell of health. I could have this shoulder surgery. He had shoulder surgery for arthritis at the age of 29. Like he was just going down this hill that I'm like, I, I'm 10 years older than you. I don't even have those diagnoses yet. I don't even want to say that I have good health. And I walked over to um, our office manager and I'm just kind of like shaking my head as I'm, you know, having to finish up some, some stuff with him on his evaluation. And I was like, if that's good health, health, I want exceptional health. And she's like, What's that? and I'm like, I don't even know, but I'm going <laughs> to. And it was kind of like a beacon that it was just a journey. I started going down of, what is exceptional health? And mm -hmm. so often people think that's like perfect health and it's not mm -hmm. perfect. It's really living a life from the inside, finding what things that we need to do to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of other people, right? That we can be there for them. So we're not necessarily lying in the ambulance and that we are able to handle the things that come our way because COVID's going to come, right? So people in 2020 were like, oh, I can't take this. I'm like, my, comparing my 2010 to my 2020, I was like, there were more outside stressors in 2020 than in 2010. But my internal stressors, that storm was so much worse then that I would rather deal with all the external stressors, right, than have to deal with those internal stressors again. And so that's really my hope is just to show people how you can let those circumstantial things like be out here mm -hmm. and be good here and be able to handle those. 
Absolutely. I, and I absolutely love the title of your book. You. <laughs> I think that that's, you know, we don't want the normal and the, no. you know, regular, but I think also we find so often, you know, we, we interview women generally each week. And I think that, you know, we're almost programmed to feel a certain level of guilt to take care of ourselves before anybody else. And instead, I know on the show, we've tried to really put out there that if you don't take care of yourself first, mm -hmm. really, you are being selfish to everyone else, that you have to fill your cup. Like you said, you filled your cup every morning and you have to get in and you have to fill your cup each day in order to give to everybody else. Because otherwise, you are running on that 2% dying battery all the time and no one can sustain that. I mean, of course, you're going to want to run away if you're feeling completely burned out, exhausted, you know, stressed out and not dealing with what you need to take care of for yourself. And also, I think the point that you made in the fact that, you know, we determine how we deal with these stressors. No one else can do it for us. Mm -hmm. Our spouse, our children, our parents, no one else can solve these problems for us. It's something that's internally done. And I think that the fact in your book that you've, you know, kind of helped guide people and women on how to deal with this is such an important thing, especially busy moms and working moms. Mm -hmm. And it's such an important facet that people need to really look at taking care of their self first. Right. Yeah. Because just like you were saying too about, you knew about the flight, the fight and the freeze, but you weren't recognizing at first that that's exactly what you were doing. That's how you were managing. And I think that you know, your story about wanting to run away, I bet resonates mm -hmm. with just about every <laughs> single mom here because uh -huh. there was a time that I know for personally, uh -huh. I was happy, loved my home, finally had my two children. It was beautiful, but there were days that all I could dream about was getting in my car uh -huh. and just driving until I ran out of gas and find myself picking grapes in some, you know, vineyard somewhere. But that's not really what I wanted and I felt very guilty. Uh -huh about thinking that and I much less could never say it because mm -hmm. I never wanted anybody to not feel loved mm -hmm. and accepted and wanted by me. And so I think I really hope that the women uh, that are listening and if there are any men listening that have women in your life, mothers in your life, I really hope that you hear this so that you can start maybe recognizing some of that within yourself and you don't feel guilty, mm -hmm. but that you, you find a way to get help. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I think hopefully some people will even start with your book by taking the steps of getting getting help. So we're at the part of the show where we wanna talk about the only question <laughs> that we ever give out ahead of time, and that is your why. You, you're doing some amazing, amazing things, and coming from trauma, that takes a lot of grit. But every day, there's gonna have to be something inside of you that keeps you going. So what is your why? What keeps you moving and helping others? I think for me, just thinking about like what gets me up in the morning is my goal is if I can help one woman, just one, that day, it's worth getting out of bed. And like I said, how I do that is knowing that the first woman really has to be me. Mm -hmm. that I can fill my cup like I can serve so much more. And, and to me, like I said, I look at it as every night I plug my phone in to get it to charge up. Um, I, I start with sleep, right? Making sure that I'm getting the sleep that I need, but even that waking moment, um, I have a morning routine and like I schedule my day based on making sure that I have time to, um, 
have my battery charged up and ready to go so that whenever that next person comes into my life for me to serve, um, I'm there. And, you know, sometimes that's my children, right? That's my mm -hmm. husband. Um, that's a family member. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, a call that I'm receiving um, to walk somebody through whatever it is they're going through. For me, um, writing my book has really brought some freedom out because I always thought that I'm, you know, it wasn't that I was wanting to pretend like I was somebody I wasn't because I am the type of, I am a strong woman. I am an independent woman. Like that doesn't change anything, but letting people know that um, I had a past and that past was really affecting my present and my future and sharing that in my book, um, I think has helped so many people realize that they're not alone because that's how I felt. I felt like I couldn't tell people that because they wouldn't understand. They would think I was the victim instead right. of the strong, independent woman that I wanted people to um, see me as because that really was who I was, but it wasn't, it didn't take away from what I was before um, or what's within, I guess, not necessarily right. what I was before. And so, you know, my why is really, like I said, helping people, especially women, they're, they're my heart, right? And um, women that are in the beginnings of it, I was 39 and when I realized, like I said, that I was living in a stress state, I cannot tell you how many women I have met in the you know, last five to 10 years, they're, they're like in the hospital, right? They're in the hospital. The doctor's like, are you, do you have any, you know, are you stressed out? And so they're like, oh no, like nothing new's going on and going, you're stressed, right? Because so often we can see it from the outside, mm -hmm. but we can't see it within ourselves because it's just normal. It's how we have been living, you know, either the last five years, the last 10 years, right. their entire life. And um, so my goal is just for people to understand that normal is cancer, diabetes, obesity, like all the things that are 50% or more. I mean, now they say you have one and three chance of having cancer, right? Like I don't want that in my house, you know, there's more than that here. Um, just to be able to say there are things that we can do to be healthy, to be well, but it really starts with, they say 90% of diseases are, you know, stress related. Where mm -hmm. do we need to start? We need to start with letting go of some of those stressors that we're taking in. Love it. Yes. And also, I'm sure we've got a bunch of people jumping on today and watching us live and commenting. And I know that they're going to be interested in being able to get this book. So don't worry about it, y'all. We're going to put the link in the comments so you can go ahead and order this great book with, oh, I love the title. It's so, it's so perfect because it really is. We don't want normal. No, we're over normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> normal is out and we're going to start filling our cups, taking care of ourselves mm -hmm. and taking care of each other after we first filled our own cup. Right. Taking responsibility as well is what I'm also hearing. Mm -hmm. It's um, important that we take responsibility for ourselves before we can take responsibility for anyone else. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you so much for jumping on our show today, Shauna. Mm -hmm. And we know that our viewers mm -hmm. and listeners are definitely going to be interested in that book. So we put the link in the comments as well as any way to contact her through her website. We hope that everyone today has enjoyed watching our live show. If you are watching it, make sure that you set those notifications. So anytime we go live on Finder Seat, you'll get notification as well. If you're listening to us 
anywhere you listen to a podcast, make sure you have subscribed so that you never miss a new episode. And we hope that hopefully everyone along with Shauna was able to find a seat at the table. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.